Can I invite you please to turn back with me to that portion of scripture that we read earlier on. Can I invite you to turn back to Luke uh, chapter 9 and from verse 23. Let me perhaps just read verse 23 once again. Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Um, my, um, my daughter Juliet isn't feeling very well. My daughter Juliet is rather unwell just now. Hopefully it's nothing serious, of course. But as many of you know, Juliet has been absent from school uh, for a couple of months. And so because of that, as you can imagine, the television has been on in our house more than uh, usual. And so Juliet's not felt up to reading. She's not felt up to playing games. So as diligent parents, what have we had to do? Unfortunately, we've had to rely a little bit more on Netflix and that sort of thing. So the TV's been on in our house a little bit more than normal recently. Last week, there was a problem. Last week, disaster struck. And the TV wasn't working as it should be. So Netflix last week for us, it was stalling, it was buffering, and it was whirling about. The TV was not working smoothly. This was a disaster. So what did we do? Well, dad was called... And I did what all great engineers and technicians would do. I did what you would do in those circumstances. What did I do? That's right. I uh, switched everything off. Uh, for 10 seconds, I switched it back on and I hoped for the best. And what happened? It worked. So Juliet and I, what we did is we rebooted, rebooted the whole system, didn't we? And then suddenly everything was working nicely and smoothly, and Netflix was back on. Um, I wonder, more seriously, whether God might not do something uh, similar in our lives this morning. Isn't it the case that sometimes you and I can begin to dull and whirl and, and, and buffer in the Christian life? Can we not fall back into thinking that following Jesus, oh, it's a little bit about occasional prayer and maybe a little bit of helping with the teas and coffees and a little bit of church attendance. And if we just do that, we will keep Jesus sweet and happy. And then we can get on with the things that we actually really want to get on with in, in, in our lives. Well, is that correct? Is that the way it, it ought to be for us? Well, today we open Scripture, don't we, in, to Luke chapter 9. And today the Lord Jesus shows us the true nature of Christian discipleship. The true nature of Christian discipleship. That's what's before you and before me. And what we hear from Jesus, I think, here is a, is a call to uncompromising commitment to the Lord of glory 
Today, Jesus calls us, summons us to, to a devotion, really, Christian friend, that is incredibly far-reaching. It reaches into every area of your life and, and, and in my life. So perhaps you can see it. Perhaps today, by his Holy Spirit, the Lord will reboot us, refocus us on living for Jesus and living for him with all that we are. And God willing, uh, today what we're going to, to, to have, I suppose, is two sections. Let's call it sections. Two sections to our sermon, and, and each will have a, a couple of subheadings or subpoints. Hopefully, that helps us to follow what's happening. Two sections, each will have two, two subheadings. That's the, the plan before us, but we'll do what we tend to do, what we must do at this juncture. Before we go any further, let's pray and ask our God uh, to help us to understand. Let's pray. Lord, we, we come to your words and we come humbly. Again, we ask that we might hear from you. But we are stubborn. We ask that you would break down the stubbornness of our hearts. Would you speak to us, help us to understand? Would you change us, Lord God? Would you help us with this? rather difficult subject we come to this morning. We pray that you would show us Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let me, um, I suppose, begin by, by giving you the, the big idea of this first half of, of, of this sermon here, the big idea. Now, what we're going to see here in Scripture is this, that Christian discipleship, it involves sincere self-denial, that's the big idea. Let's pin our, our, our quote on that, our hat on that. that the Christian discipleship involves sincere self-denial. Uh, or let me quote um, one of the 16th century reformers. He says this about your life and my life. How about this? He says this, that the sum of the Christian life is the denial of ourselves. The sum of the Christian life is the denial of ourselves. So we see the big idea, don't we? It's the idea of sincere self-denial. So, so how do we see that in these verses? How do we get that from these verses? Well, let's, as we've done, let's put up the first subheading. You see it there, the call to self-denial stated. And the first favor that I would ask of you is that you look with me to verse 23. Certainly that the the first part of it. We got it there. Would you look there with me? So Jesus, if you remember, he, he had been speaking to the 12. Remember that from last week. But now it seems to be a lot wider. He seems to be addressing all those who are aligning themselves to him. And as he speaks about the nature of discipleship, what does he say to us? If anyone would come after me, let's just deal with these next words. Let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Now, I suppose for some light relief in amongst what is a challenging, a difficult subject, uh, let me just mention what Jesus is not getting at here. One word, Lent. Okay, so if you're a big fan of the Christian calendar, let's make sure we don't get the wrong idea. When Jesus is talking about you and I denying ourselves, He's not talking about a few days just before Easter where we try not to 
gorge ourselves in lint chocolates or, or whatever it might be. This is not Lent. This is not that sort of idea. And you can, as a Christian, recognize instead what is before you. This is a call for you and I to be tearing down the idol of self in our lives, isn't it, Christian friend? A call, this ongoing call to be tearing down the idol of self. What happens, I think, because of the the fallen nature that, that we have received, what happens is that you and I tend to exalt and magnify ourselves. Isn't that the case? That there's probably a besetting sin for every one of us who are Christians this morning. And that sin is ego, isn't it? Ego, testicle sometimes, can't we? We, by fallen nature, we seek first the kingdom of me. Do you recognize it at all in, in, in your own life? So I recognize it in mind. What do we prioritize, you and I? We prioritize our own comforts and our own entertainment, don't we? And we very, very quickly gratify or seek to gratify our, our sinful desires. And, and you and I, don't we just run after career and material advance? And don't we do these things almost at any cost? And this morning we come to God's word and what does Jesus call for but an abrogation of these things, doesn't he? And he calls for us to to strip away that self-centeredness, that self-interest and instead he calls for a singular pursuit of him, of Jesus Christ and of his will. And if you will, um, please would you indulge me just for a moment as I make a a rather obvious, perhaps as obvious, an obvious uh, observation. Would you agree with us that what Jesus calls for here, this idea of self-denial, it could not be more at odds with the mood of the, the culture in which we live. Is that fair? Would you agree with that? This idea of this self-denial could not be more opposed to the, 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 the moods of, of the culture. I, um, I came across a, an article in a journal uh, quite recently. So the journal was, what was it? Psychological Science, which I want to assure you is not my normal bedtime reading. It really isn't. But it was an article, Psychological Science, and it was a, an, an article that was addressing what it saw as being the pandemic of narcissism in the, 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 the Western world in the 21st century. Can you, can you see the idea with me? So the author of this article speaking about the fact that people today in his eyes are consumed by self and self-interest. Now, that's interesting in in itself, perhaps. What was more fascinating was the diagnosis that this this article put forward. So, in part, the article was blaming our affluence 
Do you follow the, the logic to that, our affluence being to blame for this? The article is saying that we are in a situation where we can have lots of stuff for ourselves. So where is our focus? It's on that, the focus of the, the Western world on what can we get? What can we have for ourselves? And that's interesting. Even more interesting was the other diagnosis. Listen, please. The article blamed in part social media. Isn't that fascinating? You know, the idea that today there is just such pressure, especially on young people, to make their presence known. Certainly online, to, to such pressure to be seen. Now, what does that lead to? That leads to people turning in on themselves, doesn't it? To focus on self and to focus on beauty and appearance and material gain and into that mood of our culture, what does Jesus of Nazareth say to St. Peter's this morning here? Jesus says, not us, not you. Friends, the call today is for you and I in the Christian life to take ourselves increasingly out of the spotlight and instead, as God's people, to live with Jesus of Nazareth as the center of all things. That's the call. But then we see a second subheading. We see the call to self-denial enhanced. And I would ask you just to read on in verse 23 with me. Would you do that, please? Let's read on in the verse. So Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Now, now look at the, the next portion, please. Let him deny himself, and then Jesus says, and take up his cross. Take up his cross. Now, I, I think uh, personally, and I'm sure you're, you're with me on this, I think that language, by the very nature of language, language changes quite rapidly, doesn't it? Language changes quite quickly. I'm going to sound uh, quite elderly and old man, but how teenagers speak today uh, probably bears very little resemblance to how young people spoke 30 years ago or something. I, I know I sound old, don't I? But that's true, isn't it? Language changes quite quickly, and because of that, it's probably not quite as commonplace as it once was, but do you recognize that the words that we've just read there are used today in, in everyday speech? both inside and outside the church. Do you recognize that? Can I, maybe I'll give you an example. Um, somebody waiting for a hip replacement, but being really patient about it and facing a long waiting list. What might they say? That's my cross to bear. Do you, do you see? Or dealing with a, an unhappy relationship or, oh, the difficulties of a, a mean boss. And they might say, being patient about it, they might say, do you know, it's just my, it's my cross to bear. Do you see it's, it's come, it's infiltrated into everyday speech in and outside the church? I think this morning, what you and I have to recognize is that is not the sort of thing that Jesus is speaking about here. Do you see that? Jesus is not just saying to the Christian that there will be, and there is a call to suffer. What is this about? This is about suffering for his name's sake, isn't it? Take up the cross. 
Jesus is not saying, or being a discipleship, the life of discipleship means we will encounter some difficult things. No, he's saying the life of discipleship means being so committed to Jesus that we are willing to embrace opposition and rejection, now wait, and even death for him, for his sake. Now, let me take a breath and, and address the fact that there, the reality is that what we've just said there might shock some of, some of you this morning. Maybe some of you are asking this. Can this really be the demand that Jesus is making of his people? You know, costly, costly self-denial, painful self-denial. Maybe you're asking, can this really be what Jesus demands of his people? And if you are asking that, I would just urge you, please refocus on the metaphor that Jesus is using here. What's the metaphor? The cross. Can you imagine, please, just for a moment, imagine being amongst those that Jesus is speaking to in the first instance. Imagine those people. Now put yourself in their shoes. You know, Jesus speaking to this group of people gathered around him in first century Galilee. Now what's true of those people? Here's the reality. Most of those people would have actually witnessed a crucifixion with their own eyes. So those people Jesus speaks, they would have actually seen this sort of death. And so, what would they have known? They would have known the exact moment that Jesus is talking about when he says to them, take up your cross. Friends, what moment is that? They would have known it's the moment that the condemned man takes upon himself what was called the patibulum. We know what that is, don't we? It's that moment the condemned man takes upon himself the crossbeam of the cross. He takes that to himself and he labors, doesn't he? And he struggles out towards the place of death. Isn't it striking to you? Jesus says to his people, what's discipleship like? Take up your cross. Like what what a metaphor for our Lord himself to, to use. And so Christian friend, as we bring this into our own lives, perhaps there's food for thought, is there? We perhaps today you and I are prompted to ask ourselves, have we lost sight of the demands of following Jesus? Could that be true of you? That true of me? Have we lost sight of it? For this morning, we come to God's word and he reminds us it's not just about, you know, occasional church attendance, is it? It's not just about occasional reading a scripture. Look on the screen and notice the time reference. What is Christian discipleship? It's about adopting a daily mindset, isn't it? Where we put off self and we pursue with all we are the glory of Jesus Christ. Perhaps it is, Christian friend, the Apostle Paul who provides a motto for St. Peter's for 2024. Do you remember what Paul says to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 15, 31? He's writing about what it means to follow Jesus And what does he say? He says to those in Corinth, I die 
every day. Christian friend, that's it, isn't it? That's the life of discipleship. How do we live? We live by dying and dying to self. We see self-denial. But then we move into the second section of this sermon. And let's put up the, the first heading, the subheading that we have here. We also see here incentive. Incentive through, there's the word paradox. I'll explain that. Incentive through paradox. I want to be uh, honest and uh, upfront with you at this point. I want to be upfront with you that what we're left with in this section of Scripture, you, uh, you can take it from me, is quite complicated. That's the bad news in a sense. If you've got a Bible in front of you and you just glance at verses 24 to 27, you're going to see a lot of things. You're going to see explanations. You're going to see statements, you will see rhetorical questions, and although a lot of these phrases are very familiar to us, actually when we begin to rest on them and pick away at them, some of the material is really quite tricky, but I think we can state this, that having given us this call to discipleship, what does Jesus do? Now, he motivates us. That's what, that's what happens now. I'll put it a different way for us. We've received from Christ the demand, haven't we? Self-denial. What we now receive are the incentives uh, to, to follow Jesus. And let's look at verse 24. Let's look at verse 24 and note the results of, of self-centeredness here. Would you read this with me? Just the start of verse 24. Now listen to this. For whoever would save his life... Jesus says, will lose it. Can I read that again so that we all have it? For whoever would save his life will lose it. Now, hopefully, I think everybody here can, can see what I mean about paradox, in a sense. It is seemingly paradoxical in a, in a way, but I'm sure you can see what is being said. Here, Jesus is showing us that a life without him and a life without Christian discipleship is utterly disastrous. Do you need to hear that this morning? That those living for their own honor and not living for the honor of Jesus Christ, that they are destined to miss out in the life and the blessing of Almighty God. And there is a certain irony, isn't there, here? That the very people who are doing everything in this life for their own security and their own entertainment and their own preservation are the very people who ultimately forfeit true and lasting security and true and lasting joy in Jesus Christ. Just look, if you have a Bible, at how Jesus augments this in verse 25. Because Jesus asks St. Peter's a question in verse 25, a rhetorical question. Let's read it. He asks you, for what does it a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses himself? Do you see who Jesus has brought into view? He's brought into view Andrew Tate. He's brought into view Bill Gates. Mark Zuckerberg, 
Jesus is asking us, what does it really, really benefit people to accumulate such wealth, such riches, when in the end it will be stripped away from them in, in death? St. Peter's, what answer is Christ pressing us to give? What does it benefit these people? What does it profit a man in those circumstances? And the answer is nothing. But then read on. Look at the the rest of the, the line. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Look at the other side of the coin. But whoever loses his life for my sake will will save it. And uh, maybe you and I ought to just tread here ever so lightly and, and, and gently. It may be, especially in a service like this today, it may be that uh, there'll be some at St. Peter's this morning gathered in here or maybe tuning in online uh, who are exploring the Christian faith. If that's you, we're, we're so delighted that you're, you're with us and you're present or you're tuning in. But there might be some who are new to Christianity so I want you and me in that circumstance just to be very careful about what Jesus means. I'll read you again. What does it say? Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What could we conclude? I think we could maybe wrongfully conclude that Jesus is showing us the way to salvation. Do you see? As though Jesus is saying, if you just give up enough stuff, if you really just embrace self-denial, if you just embrace a life of asceticism, then there's the keys of heaven awaiting you. That's not what we have here at all. Friends, what's in view is the life of discipleship a person leads, having already received by grace from God salvation, isn't it? Like what we have here is a promise. Who's it to? It's a promise to the person who has repented and believed in Jesus submitted in all things to to him, a person seeking to live, dying to self. And what is the promise? The promise is of life, isn't it? Life in the fullest in Christ. Life in the presence of God. And as the apostle Paul was the one who helped us in the previous point, maybe here we are helped by a man called Jim Elliot. Do we know who Jim Elliot was? Many do. Jim Elliot was a missionary. Jim Elliot was a man who went into the Equatorian uh, jungle and he was seeking to evangelize the locals. Jim Elliot was a man who was, he was murdered in, in that process, murdered in the jungle. But this is what Jim Elliot said before he, before he went. Listen carefully. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Don't you agree? Jim Elliot understood the seeming paradox of verse 24. And then we come to our last subheading. We also see here incentive for us through perspective. Let's use that word, perspective. When I say to you perspective, I mean a future perspective here. I mean, Christian friend, a heavenly, eschatological perspective. Now, how are we given that 
from Jesus here. Well, if we just project verse 26, I want you to note how Jesus speaks of himself. Will you recognize that for me in verse 26? How does he speak of himself? Do you notice he speaks of himself as the son of man doing what? Coming in glory. And Christian friends, what do we know about that? We know that that is uh, Jesus' favored self-designation, don't we? That's how Jesus loved to speak of himself, the son of man. So we know that. But we also know that this was language that Jesus took from the Old Testament and from the book of Daniel, from Daniel 7. It's a section of scripture where Daniel is speaking about the end of the age, a time and event where the Son of Man, where Jesus Christ is set to return and set to judge the nations and judge the world. So what's that if it is not a future focus for us? But then you and I can add to this heavenly perspective and we just look at verse 27. Now here, if you've got it there, you'd agree with your minister that we have a very intriguing idea, don't we? Let me read it. He says, I tell you truly, now wait for this. He says, he says to this group of people in Galilee in the first century, he says, there are some standing here who are not going to die. They're not going to taste death until what happens? Until they see the kingdom of God. Now, I, I know there's lots of different ways that that can be interpreted and understood, and we don't have time to go into that. But if you will just note what comes after this section, if you've got a Bible, just know what the next section is, you're going to get an idea. What's the next section? Do you see? It's the transfiguration, isn't it? So an event where what happens, but Moses... And Elijah, they appear. They appear, but dazzling, don't they? And Jesus appears in, in, in glory, shining. It's an event where you and I are given this little cameo of heaven itself. The transfiguration, a little picture for you and for me of what lies ahead of the believer. Do you see again, we're given this eschatological pointer. We're given a focus on the future ahead. Friends, do you see what Jesus is doing? Yes, please hear that our Lord is underlining how essential it is that we live for his glory. He is showing us here that if we live only for ourselves, if we are ashamed of Jesus in this life, if we reject Jesus in this life, in the end, we will face the rejection of the Son of Man himself. But he is doing something else. Do you see what Jesus hands you this morning? Our Lord hands you perspective. He reminds you today that this self-denial that we're called to, this life of suffering for Jesus' sake, it is light and it is temporary compared to this everlasting, eternal inheritance that you have, Christian friend, all because of him. And let me close with this. I just want to read three words. I'm sure you'll excuse me that. I want to read three words that we have overlooked until this point. I wonder if you noticed uh, what they were. 
Jesus said this in, in verse 23. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross. What were the three words that I missed out? Let him deny himself, let him take up his cross. Three words. And follow me. Do you see how those words are critical, key? You see what's happening? We're being reminded that in this life of self-denial, in this pattern of suffering before glory that awaits, we're being reminded that someone else has gone on ahead of us. Someone else has gone on ahead of you. And friend, I urge you to, to go home considering what the Son of Man has done for you. He didn't just suffer for you. He atoned for your sin. Jesus Christ, in his life, he resisted all self-gratification, didn't he? Think about the temptations from the evil one. The Lord Jesus Christ even refused all the kingdoms of this world, all the riches of this world. And then ultimately, what did Jesus know for your sake? He knew the weight on his shoulders of a literal patibulum. Jesus of Nazareth knew the actual weight of a cross that he would take up for you. Surely because of that, we go from here in gratitude and we seek to reboot our lives of discipleship, don't we? In gratitude to God, don't we go and seek to live for his glory in all things. Friends, let's bow our heads and let's pray.